Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here with Justin Garcia of the Bucks Radio Network as the Milwaukee Bucks pick up, a, in my opinion, a very impressive win over the New Orleans Pelicans, 120-108, in a game that uh, I was just discussing with Justin before we went on air here. This was one of the more entertaining games of the season for mine. There was plenty of storylines to watch throughout this one, none bigger than Giannis V. Zion and the biggest thing for me was the fact that I think we've always looked at Giannis going up against the the superstar in the league and that might be Giannis as a as a young up-and-coming superstar going up against LeBron James and seeing how he was going to handle that matchup or Giannis going up against uh, Anthony Davis who we've seen multiple times particularly when he was with the Pelicans but in this game we saw Giannis defend Zion, particularly early in the game, and we've seen Zion Williamson, who has had an incredible start to his career, go directly at Giannis multiple times. And Giannis, the reigning MVP of the league, really stamped his authority on this matchup early and said, okay, uh, I know you've had a pretty good start to your career here, but uh, I am the MVP. I'm one of the best defensive players in the league. And we really saw Giannis flex his muscles against uh, Zion tonight. This was this was really fun to watch, and it was fun to watch Giannis really stamp his authority on this one. Well, it, this has to be the first time that Zion has, in his entire basketball life, yeah. <laughs> faced somebody who is just as quick and agile, if not more than him. And, you know, as we were talking about before, there was early on when you saw Zion try to, to out-muscle or bully Giannis, and he just didn't move. Where If you're Zion Williamson, that's the first time in your life you have ever experienced that. No, there's no question. And you look at the, the stat line for uh, Zion in this one. He ends up playing 31 minutes. We know that his minutes have been slowly ramping up as the season has gone on. Uh, he plays 31 minutes, 47 seconds in this one. Five for 19 from the field. Uh, only three of those from the three-point line. And this is the interesting thing about Zion as you look how his career progresses. In the first game, we all know, most people were watching this game where he hit the four threes in the fourth quarter and had that 17-point uh, explosion against the Spurs. But uh, since then, he hasn't really shot the three. Uh, again tonight, there was multiple times where the Bucks were daring him to shoot from the outside and he didn't want to do it. We know that this has not been a big part of his game, uh, but he couldn't finish inside. And it was funny that uh, early in this one, uh, as, we, as we pointed to already, that, that Giannis was the, the defender that was taking on Zion. And Zion came full steam at Giannis multiple occasions, went at his body. And this is a situation where we've seen Zion already in his career really bulldoze guys. And yes, he's a teenager. Yes, he's in his rookie season. But uh, you look at the size of this guy. This is a guy that can move uh, men and guys that have been in this league for a long time. And he hit Giannis straight in the chest a couple of times. 
and Williamson just bounced off him. And this was like running into a brick wall. The fact that he finished 5 for 19, nothing came easy for him. He had a couple of impressive finishes, uh, particularly on Brook Lopez. He had a couple in the, in the first quarter. He had a putback, first of all. Uh, sorry, and then the second quarter, he went baseline, was able to put in a reverse. I think he does a great job of using the rim uh, as protection as he goes for those reverse. And he's, he's so strong going baseline. But uh, ultimately, uh, the Bucks were really able to shut him down and when you look at this Pelicans team, you look at a bunch of guys that are, are talented individually. Uh, we saw, again, as we've seen with multiple teams, the Pelicans were forced into being an outside jump shooting team. And over the course of 48 minutes, that did not, uh, that did not work out for them. It was uh, early, what was it, probably the second quarter, I think, when Zion had a couple of those baskets on the baseline where he just went past Brooke Lopez, okay. where I, I just remember thinking... I don't think I haven't seen anybody do that to Brooke this year. Yeah, and then yeah. you remind yourself, okay, well, nobody else in the league is like <laughs> Zion. Yeah, there's no question. And, and uh, you know, uh, we have to remember this is a guy uh, that's only a few games into his NBA career. So, what, seven, uh, I think. What's that? Yeah, exactly. So uh, you, you talk about someone that's still putting the moves on Brook Lopez, as you said, who uh, we, we speak about a guy as a legitimately a defensive player of the year candidate. But uh, for Milwaukee, uh, I mean, it's, it starts and ends with Giannis tonight. There was a bunch of uh, really impressive performances. But for Giannis, this for me was a game that he came out and said, okay, well, you know, I get it. The, all the talk is going to be about Zion but I'm going to make a statement tonight. And he finished 12 of 17 from the field. He only shot one three. He made that. He shot really well from the free throw line, which was actually really important early in this game. He finishes nine for 13 from the charity stripe, picks up 17 rebounds, six assists. They're still on a block as well. Big block on Zion <laughs> uh, there. So uh, this was a game where I th- honestly think that the Pelicans uh, early in this one, we're like, well, we don't have the size. We don't have the strength. We don't know how to stop Giannis. We're going to put him on the free throw line. And uh, hopefully we, uh, he doesn't beat us there. And this was for Giannis, a rare night where he uh, took advantage of getting to the free throw line, made free throws early. And then as the game wore on, he started to take over. This was, uh, I mean, the turning point in the third quarter too, where uh, Giannis, obviously the most of his damage, I think he had 16 in the third, uh, but Giannis and Wesley Matthews and really uh, all the starters did, they scored 42 in the third, and I think all but four came from the starting five. Um, but, but that point, too, where, you know, another good sign, or at least you had to feel good if you're the Bucks to see Wesley Matthews hit five threes, which I think is a season high, and he was two off of his season high for points with 17. But to hit five threes, he hit three of them in the third, and that was the turning point where I know the Bucks grabbed the lead early in that third quarter, but the stretch where he hit back-to-back threes and he hit uh, three threes out of, I think, five possessions. And they went on a 15-1 to and eventually 20-5 to run. It felt like it was over after that. Yeah, it was interesting with Wes because you spoke about that stretch in the third quarter and he hit those two in a row. And then the third one was a, a genuine heat check. I mean, he was deep on that one. Uh, the third one there, he finished with a five on the night as you touched on. And this is really good to see because this is a guy that has been streaky throughout the season. In October, uh, 32%. Then he had that red-hot November where he's at 42%. Went back down to 36 in December. January, only 32%. 
he doesn't hit one in his first game in February. So, I mean, this is a guy that's been up and down all season, but to see him in a, in a game that really the Bucks needed it. I mean, the, the Pelicans are a team that has a bunch of guys that are uh, similar to West, as I said, just streaky with Lonzo Ball, who hits three threes uh, in the first few minutes of this game, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram. They've got a bunch of guys that can get hot from the outside. JJ Redick, we've seen him do damage to the Bucks over the course of his career. Uh, this was a night where it's like, okay, well, Wes, we, we really need you to hit some shots. And the fact that he was able to do that after a, an extended stretch of, of really not hitting them, for him to finish with 17 points, 5-9 and nine from deep, 6-11 uh, overall, uh, the, the yellow basket came in an early post-up very, very early in the first quarter. Uh, this, is, this is the type of game for him when you look defensively and we talk about the things that he's done uh, in, in matchups, and I know we were speaking about this before we started recording, he had some tough moments on Brandon Ingram uh, defensively, uh, but uh, on the other end of the floor, this was one where uh, they needed him because when you look at the box score, all five of the Bucks starters finished in double digits, and they didn't get a lot from the bench, and this has been a rare occasion for the Bucks. There's always been someone, and we know uh, that they're missing George Hill uh, really badly because... Uh, we'll get to Eric Bledsoe eventually, but it wasn't a great night for him. And, and this was a night where you really felt that they were missing George Hill because the second unit uh, didn't bring a lot to the table uh, offensively. They weren't scoring a lot of points. And, and this was a night where the, the contribution from uh, Wes Matthews was huge. It was huge. Um, you know, the defensive stuff we were talking about before, that, that's kind of another example of, you know, just as we said with Zion... <laughs> where he's never faced a guy like Giannis before in his career and won't in all likelihood again. Um, you know, some of those defensive things with West too, there aren't very many Brandon Ingram type players with that size and, you know, skill set. Obviously we see more and more big men put the ball on the floor and being able to shoot, but just the overall way that Brandon Ingram does it, Wes isn't going to have to defend a lot of guys like him. Um, but, you know, the bench has, as you pointed to, it's, it's been an interesting three games where you go back to Friday when you didn't have Dante and George Hill. And I know after the game, um, you were there for it when, Bud, uh, the question was brought up, too, of you know, how much did you guys miss Dante and George? And he was quick to dismiss that because, hmm. hey, the Nuggets were down more guys than we were, so it's not respectful to say we missed those two. But it was evident how much they missed him, and you saw it again Sunday with what Dante brought in that victory over the Suns. And, and you just knew in the third quarter, too, with what he did, yep, this is exactly what they missed. Um, you know, as you pointed to tonight, it was save for Kyle Korver knocking down some threes and Dante played okay in the third quarter again. Other than that, I mean, it, it was uh, – you can't really point to anything from the bench other than that Pat Connaughton dunk. <laughs> yeah, and by the way, that was a timely dunk for Pat. Uh, obviously, came uh, late in the game as the Bucks were closing it out. But uh, he is now officially uh, looks like he's in the dunk contest in Chicago next uh, next week, which is going to be a lot of fun. But yeah, this is a really rare night for the Bucks, particularly when you look at the plus minus. I mean, we've seen uh, these Bucks bench players, and and Differenzo more than anyone has been an advanced stat darling <laughs> in terms of net rating defensive rating uh, tonight he was uh, minus five but uh, I will say that he still did do some really positive things in this game and this is what we always talk about him yes he was three for ten from the field and we've spoke over the last sort of week or so two weeks that 
Uh, he's always been a guy that's been confident. He's not shy to shoot the ball, but his confidence seems to be somehow building. And <laughs> there was still some shots tonight that you're like, okay, I don't know if that's the shot that we won in the offense, but he kept on firing them up. And I don't think that's a bad thing, but he still finished with five rebounds uh, and five assists as well, even though he did have the, the minus five, had eight points on the night. But uh, yeah, when you look at the plus minus, uh, Giannis, a uh, plus 24 in the night, a plus 22 for Brook Lopez, a plus 20 for Eric Bledsoe. The starters really dominated this game. And uh, I, I do want to get to uh, Brook and Bledsoe offensively here. But before we do, I don't know if there's even much to say about Chris Middleton at this point. But <laughs> like, I, I don't know actually what to point out about what he did so great tonight. But he still finishes 9 for 18 from the field, 50%. Two for five from three, 40%. Didn't get a free throw. It was actually kind of strange for him well, of late. He's been getting to the free throw line. But 20 points, eight rebounds, eight assists. This is just, this is just the norm now, and it's absurd. Well, and this was a down night for him to only shoot 50% from the field and 40% right, from right, three. Right. But, I mean, it, it just feels like, you know, from January on, um, I know his averages aren't that high, but it feels like he's been good for seven and seven or eight and eight and rebounds and assists every single game ever since that hot streak that he started in January. Uh, you know, one other thing too about what we were talking about before with the bench, I know we saw it on Sunday and we saw it against the Nuggets too because Bud loves going to the all bench lineup in the second quarter. But today's game, tonight's game, the Pelicans game, Felt like one of the first times where you really saw this kind of feels problematic. And without George Hill, this just doesn't work. Yeah. And this is something that, that is, as, as you sort of pointed to, like, this is not new. And, and when I look at those like five out bench units, like the big, the big question is uh, how are you scoring and how are you creating offense? And without George Hill, uh, it's very, very difficult for this Bucks team to to create offense in the half court. Now, Dante is a guy that uh, gets his assist numbers up, but it's always in the open floor. And he's he's very, very good in transition. And particularly with the starters, he's, he's honestly uh, the best guy on this Bucks team in getting Giannis the ball quickly and getting him assi- uh, getting assists from getting Giannis baskets. But uh, without George Hill, it was rough. And this was an arm where we saw 20... Or nearly 28 minutes out of Pat Connaughton. Uh, that hasn't been the case recently. So I'm not totally sure why that was. We saw on multiple occasions that Pat was the guy sort of trying to defend Zion on the perimeter. And part of me believes that that was just the fact that Bud was like, okay, well, yeah, we're happy to say uh, Pat or someone, one of those wing defenders, defend Zion out there. And if he drives, we're going to have the uh, support behind you. Uh, it was just interesting to see that this, out of all nights, was the night that Pat played big minutes. Uh, Sterling Brown, again, I mean, he only plays three minutes. He gets up three shots in that time. Uh, didn't score. Uh, nothing crazy there. Again, as we've spoke about <laughs> relentlessly, uh, DJ Wilson did not play a minute in this one. But ultimately, this was a game where Chris Middleton, uh, Giannis, and, and Wes uh, got enough points on the board for the Bucks to win. Eric Bledsoe has been so consistently calm for mine. I'm not sure if calm is the right word, but he's been uh, controlled. He seems to this year have uh, limited the bad turnovers, limited the times. Okay. Yeah. He hasn't, he hasn't done. Yeah. You haven't had the bad version of Eric Bledsoe very often. 
Yeah, I mean, we, we haven't seen a night like this. That, let me just say that. And he finished with 16 points, uh, six rebounds, seven assists on the night, but 20 shots. And honestly, it felt like half of those 20 shot attempts were a shot where you looked at that and you were like, that, that, is, not, that, <laughs> that is not the shot that this offense is looking for. He was seemed uh, a little out of control tonight, and it was, it was odd to say because this is not what we've come to expect. Well, and if he only took three threes, which feels like that number was higher too. Right. Uh, you know, I, I kind of changed. I'm still not sure what to say. Where games like this against the Pelicans are the games where I don't know if fine is the right way to word it, but I mean, Eric Bledsoe, as you pointed to the 20 shot attempts, he took the most attempts on the team. Games like this against the Pelicans are where. I'm more okay with Eric Bledsoe trying to have a heat check game and trying to get things going. Um, But 20 field goal attempts when Giannis and Chris combined for 35, that, you know, that's never going to be the right answer. It's strange because we often talk about the fact that sometimes you look at uh, the box score at halftime and Eric Bledsoe will have, uh, Three shot attempts, four shot attempts, five shot attempts. Uh, tonight, I, I, I found myself watching the game and thinking, well, why is Bledsoe uh, firing up these shots? Uh, the interesting thing is, oftentimes when he has those those big shooting nights or the nights where you think he's taking bad shots, a lot of them are threes, as you pointed to. So the fact that he only uh, got up three was interesting. But uh, it wasn't just that. It was also the turnovers. I know he only had three. Uh, so seven assists, three turnovers isn't the worst ratio. But <laughs> it, it just felt a night that he was out of control. And I think for the Bucks, we've seen this a lot. And, and I know people talk a lot about the fact that Zion uh, is probably not in the best shape. And I think that that's very clear. When you watch him play, watching him run up and down the floor, it's, uh, he looks like he is uh, battling a little bit. I mean, he, he's fine running offensively, and he'll get you a, a, a lob in, in transition or he'll get you a nice basket offensively, but he doesn't get back quickly. And that's probably conditioning, and I feel like part of – uh, the fact that the Bucks were looking to, to rush a little bit was the fact that, well, we can get back before Zion gets back. And we saw on multiple occasions, Giannis was, was well down the floor uh, before uh, the Pelicans were able to get back. And uh, I, I think that at times, Bledsoe was rushing a little bit. And maybe that was something they spoke about and that was in his head a little bit. But uh, yeah, for a guy that uh, honestly has had a, a fantastic regular season, I, I, I think... Uh, tonight was was not one of his uh, better nights, which was unfortunate because uh, he has leading up to the All Star nominations. I, I thought that he was playing some of the best basketball he's played all season. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know, a couple of things to that. I mean, with all, <laughs> I mean this with all due respect, but to your point, in watching Zion, it reminds you a lot of you know the guys that you would play against in rec league in college in high school where. <laughs> Um, you know, defense and getting back in assignments isn't really on the forefront. And maybe you're using the game to get yourself into shape. The thing with Bledsoe, too, um, the Bucks had, and I, I agree that I think part of it is what you just said, that they probably saw we have opportunities to beat this team in transition because of that. Uh, they had 23 attempts on the fast break, which is a season high. And it didn't feel like this was the game where the Bucks were out there running in transition the most of, of the 50 games we had seen this season. Uh, but with Bledsoe, um, you know, I think part of it too is it really was a tale of two halves for him because 
when they started to chip away at that lead again in the second quarter, a lot of it was him. And, um, yeah. you know, he hit, he made some big plays and hit some shots in the final minutes of the first half. We're uh, looking at the box. He was four or five in the second quarter. And all eight of his points came, first half points came in that second quarter. And it was the last few minutes of the quarter. If you take that quarter out, I, I mean, he was dreadful without those nine minutes that he played in the second quarter that he was the guy that was helping. Okay. Here's where the bucks are sprinting back and getting back into it. And um, you know, you had 29 from him, Giannis and Chris at the half. And then the third quarter, it just, everything that went right in that second quarter just fell off a map. Yeah. No question. And I, I, you know, I I think this game, you need to look at the positives uh, as far as uh, the fact that this was not a typical game for the Bucks to win in terms of what you saw in the first half. We know the Pelicans were shooting pretty well in the first half from three. They were 10 for 25 uh, from deep at halftime when they had a 61-58 lead. They finished the night going 14 for 49. So, uh, you know, the wheels really fell off uh, from uh, three-point land as, as far as the Pelicans go. But for Milwaukee, uh, only 11 for 36. So they only shoot 30%. But the, the, the area where they really dominated dominated the Pelicans was in the paint 60 points in the paint to uh, 40 and as you pointed to the fast break points 33 to 14 so uh, this was a game where uh, the Bucks used their athleticism used their uh, dominance of Giannis and and uh, as you pointed to in the second quarter guys like Bledsoe that were able to push the pace and, and put points on the board but that third quarter was an absolute display and uh, I, I commented on, on Twitter that this was like the showtime bucks. But when they were, uh, Wes Matthews were already pointed to was shooting the threes. Giannis uh, started with a three, he had a couple of other baskets, a couple of and ones. And then we saw the behind the back pass from Brooke Lopez. This was the bucks at their absolute best. And uh, they looked like they were just taking advantage of a, of a younger team that was a little bit rattled that started the game really well and looked like there were going to be a chance to pull off an upset uh, at home, but uh, in the end, the the Bucks, as we've seen so many times before, uh, you need to play 48 minutes against them, and that little five ten minute patch from the Bucks was enough to completely blow this game out of the water. If you watch this game because of you know the intrigue of of Giannis and Zion, and this is the first time that you're seeing the Pelicans, um, what stood out the most is yeah, okay, I, I get the Zion hype and. The other thing is probably, wait a minute, Lonzo Ball can shoot now? Right, right, right. right. Yeah, he, uh, to, to start this game, and this again, uh, we spoke about this so on yesterday's podcast with, uh, with Frank. We spoke a lot uh, about the fact that the Bucks' defense is, uh, allows the threes, which is no surprise to anyone. But this is something that teams are coming in and saying, okay, we really, really need to shoot the three against this Bucks team because if we shoot it well, we're a chance to beat them. Now, the Pelicans are a team that actually, uh, they get up a lot of threes. So before tonight, they were averaging 38.2 threes uh, per game, which is uh, fifth in the league. Uh, the Bucs are actually fourth with 38.4. Uh, but tonight, the Pelicans get up 49. So they got up 11 more than their average. This is nothing new. We know that the Bucs are closing off the rim. They're closing off the paint. So teams are saying, okay, well, we're going to take our chances. We're going to shoot our threes. And we saw this. I, I, if if my memory serves me correctly, the first 15 points for the Pelicans came from three. I think three of those were, were from Lonzo Ball. And uh, this was a team that came out and said, okay, well, you, 
if this is the way we're going to play, we're going to shoot the threes and we're going to try and beat you. Uh, you know, not only that, that the opponents are clearly saying, okay, the threes are what we're going to have to do. I think it was, um, I think it was before it was either Friday against the Nuggets or um, the previous home game against the Wizards. But I think it was Friday against the Nuggets when uh, we go and, and listen to the opposing coaches talk. And Mike Malone talked about uh, how you attack the Bucks defense and, you know, brought up the three-point shooting and that's what they give you. But he pointed out too, which in, in hindsight, we should all assume this, but it doesn't register until you hear a coach say it. When you play this team, you know what they give you, and you know three pointed. You have to knock down threes, but as we've told the guys, the first look you get, you have to take because of how this team reacts defensively and how they can recover. The first look you get, take it. And you saw that again tonight, where a handful of plays, where you know in the past we would, and I think last year especially, we would see teams maybe wait for the better shot. Um, now you're starting to see you got to beat the Bucks by hitting threes, but. Just settle for a good shot. Don't worry about moving it around even more and getting the better shot as soon as there's an opening go. No question. And we've seen guys with the way they were able to recover and, and even some of these second unit guys with DiVincenzo and Pat Connor. And yes, they, uh, they fly around and they'll, uh, they'll, go for, they'll bite on that, those pump fakes, but uh, they recover really quickly. And this Bucks defense is so uh, athletic and so in tune with what they're trying to do. Still the number one defense in the league that uh, if you are not willing to take that open shot uh, the first chance you get, they're probably going to lock you down. And before you know it, the shot clock's going to be running out. So uh, we saw the Bucks tonight. They were down early. Uh, they were down as much as 10 points in the second quarter, but they were able to bounce back behind a 42-24 to 24 third quarter. They beat the Pelicans 120-108, 43-7 on the season. And uh, now uh, this is going to be really fun. I mean, they get the Sixers coming into town on Thursday night. We're going to be able to preview this one uh, a lot more tomorrow. And also talk about the trade deadline. The reason why we haven't mentioned that tonight is the fact that there's been no uh, news to this point uh, about the Bucks. But uh, we are now, as we're recording, we're within 48 hours of the trade deadline. So we'll wait and see what happens now. Uh, I'm sure everyone has their notifications on for uh, Woj and Shams. It's, uh, it's going to be a big 48 hours. I think there's going to be some stuff going on. Uh, I, I know you're going to spend a lot of time talking about this on Wednesday's show, but do yeah. you, we're this close to the trade deadline and it's another game where you see a DNP for DJ Wilson in three minutes for Sterling Brown. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I, we spoke about this a little bit yesterday. Uh, as I know, we've spoke about this, uh, a lot over the past few weeks and I feel like I've, I've flipped a little bit, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, uh, those two guys also the, the first round pick we know from the paces, I think are going to be, uh, thrown out there. I, I think this is a deadline where not only are the Bucks looking to see what the other teams in the East are doing, the teams that are going to contend with them. We know Milwaukee has just such a huge lead at the top of the East, but, uh, I think that they're, they're not going to be prepared even though they will say all the right things and say that we love the culture, we love the group we've got, which uh, clearly they do. That's not a lie. But uh, I think that when you're in this window, when you're trying to win the championship, you make the move you need to move. Uh, and we saw this last year with Miritich. This was a, a needle-moving trade that unfortunately didn't pan out. But if you have the opportunity to do that again, I think there's, uh, there's no question they're going to do that. 
near I mean last year Miritich was you and I probably talked about it too uh, the hey it would be great if we could get Nico Miritich but nobody thought the Bucks had the assets to do it so John Horst coming in under the radar to do it and I, I keep going back and forth too on whether or not they'll make a move at the deadline I thought all along it would be no and it would be a very quiet deadline um, we asked the question on my post game show tonight too do you think the Bucks make a move Almost 75% of the people that weighed in said, no, they don't. Um, you know, I kept pointing to the buyout, but the thing to keep in mind with the buyout market, they got to make somebody available. They got to make a roster spot available. So who is that? So there, there's just a lot of moving pieces to the next, uh, what, not even 48 hours, but to the next day and a half here for this team and for the rest of the league. Yeah, it's 11.15 Central Time right now. As we wrap this up, so definitely under 48 hours till the trade deadline. So by the time we record tomorrow night, uh, who knows? Who knows what will happen around the league? We see a bunch of trades potentially happening. We know Detroit are talking about trading Luke Kennard. We know Clint Capella is getting rumored to Boston. He's getting rumored to Atlanta. There's a bunch of stuff that could possibly happen by the next time we speak. But it's going to be uh, a pretty exciting 48 hours around the league. It always is at this time. And this time last year, we didn't think anything was going to happen until the last few hours. So we'll uh, stand by and see Something what happens. Something is there. going to happen within 15 minutes of finishing this. <laughs> oh, there's no doubt. I actually, that's why I, the longer I drag this out, I'm like, eventually we're going to be able to break a trade live on the podcast, but unfortunately it hasn't happened. So uh, maybe tomorrow we'll, we'll see what happens. But the Bucks did pick up a win. As I said, this, for me, was one of the more enjoyable wins of the season. Just because of the matchup, just because of the, the magnitude of what we think is going to be one of the great matchups moving forward, Giannis v. Zion. The Bucks take this one 120-108 on the back of a huge third quarter and a, a, a monster night from Giannis, 34 points, 17 rebounds, 6 assists. For Justin Garcia and myself, Kane Pittman, we'll speak to you guys tomorrow.